Hello, and welcome to Dashing Agent, the podcast. A S M R edition. I'm your host, Reese Hayes, here with another very exciting episode for you. <clears throat> did, did that work? Any, any tingles anywhere? Is that how ASMR works? It makes you feel tingly or something? I honestly don't know. Please send me a message if you tingled. Alright, episode four. Here we go. This is a weird one, and I understand it's a few weeks late, but, I mean, who's keeping track? We finally got Eric Rigglesby Rigby on the show to help with our dashing intern Justin's exit interview. It's been a great summer having Justin around to make us feel important, and we're sad to see him go, but... I think he's reached his potential as an intern and is ready to go out into the world and start making some dope films for no money. Just like we taught him. And then Mikey and I got drunk watching David Fincher's episodes of Mindhunter Season 2 and decided to rant about that for a while. So, um, lots of fun stuff in this episode. Stick around to the end. You never know what you're going to miss. Um, let's get into it. Hey, Justin. Welcome to Dashing Agent, the podcast. It's nice to be here, Reese. So you've been our, our uh, intern this summer, and I figured that we would have a little exit intervie- interview um, just to kind of see what you learned, how you felt about uh, the experience. Pretty much just want to get your thoughts on on being the dashing intern for a summer. Um, we're also here with Eric Rigby, who's texting, not paying attention. What's up, Eric? Good. Good. That's not what I asked. So, Justin, what did you learn this summer? Uh, what did I what, learn? What was the number one thing that you learned from working with us just so much. Yeah, there was a lot. I mean, I guess probably just... Can you name one thing, Justin? What did I learn? A single thing. How to operate a boom mic effectively. I mean, honestly, that's pretty good. Like, they're... I mean, effective is a little... <laughs> <laughs> All right, strike, strike effectively. I, I've been editing Cobblestone 4, and it sounds good. It doesn't sound bad, so... Good job. Yeah. Pretty good job. Pretty good job. No, I would say, yeah, good job. That's, I mean, it's a, like I, it's an easy skill to learn. Yeah. But it it's, was, it's, it's just like, yeah, that's what I learned. I'm like, yeah, it's so easy. Like any moron can do it. <laughs> but you did it. You'd be I surprised how easy it is to fuck up too. Like that's. When I was on set for uh, the new season of uh, Manhunt, a week ago or whatever i was paying attention to the sound guy they had and i was just wondering like how do you get good at that like is there being good at that yeah there is it it definitely is a skill um that is very valuable if you are good at it uh but yeah it's it, it just happens to be the one thing that literally anyone can do did you learn anything that you like were interested in Definitely the way you guys, I mean, I know it maybe wasn't the most professional, but the way you guys kind of handled the actors a little bit was uh, a little bit uh, more professional, I guess, than anything I've done with talent that I've worked with before this. So kind of just tell them what I want to do. And uh, yeah, it doesn't very, it doesn't really go well. I mean, that's all I do. I just tell people what I want. Eric's the one who has to like use actual words to be like, Imagine this. This is what you're feeling. And I'm just like, do it like this. Stand here. Look like this. And uh, generally it works out. But yeah, it's not like a, it's not a good working environment for actors, I don't think. I mean, I, I would say that 
just saying look like this is probably not the best direction. Right, yeah, yeah. Make. I mean, that's what I'm saying. We're, we're working on it, you know. Yeah, but, it's, uh, a, it's a skill. Like, yeah. when, once you figure that out, Reese, maybe you can stop having to just operate the boom. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, that's what I would like. <laughs> All right, since we're still hung up on this, I am literally worthless on a set if I'm not directing it. Like, that's, that's just the truth. Because I, I have a level of incompetence that most other people in this industry don't have. I can I can direct my own things and I can write things, but like on a set I'm a uh, I'm a great PA, but other than that I like I can't do shit. You can cook. Even the time that I did boom operate on half bath, uh, Brian Shukert made me stop. He stopped me from boom operating my own film because I was doing a bad job, and then he took over and finished it. And I was like, he did a better job. He, he does do a good job. Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself. You were not in film school originally. You went to Penn State for... Cybersecurity originally. Um, realized that was not uh, a very creative field, unless you get to the higher uh, levels of it, which I guess would be the goal. Uh, what would you do creatively in cybersecurity? Uh, so just like making your own programs and things like that, okay. uh, coding your own things games and whatnot um but yeah it takes a while to get to that point and all of the lessons and things you have to go to, to go through to get there like just really tedious really boring which is the same for most fields i guess but um so after that i let's see i wanted to be a writer so i switched to english was in that for a few semesters and realized that an English degree is not super important for writing. Um, all you do is talk about really old books and write papers on them. And that was not fun at all. So switched into film with uh, the intention of being a writer for sure still, uh, but being interested in film. And after a semester of film and this internship, uh, I can definitely say my interest in film has grown for sure. So... We'll was there a like a specific movie you watched or um, like was there a reason because you can you know you could have switched to anything else and continue to write but you chose to to go into film which is you know there is writing in film but it's a totally different art form art form I don't know it's just a very approachable maybe art form compared to like painting or something which you're not gonna be able to really make like into a career at all unless you somehow become notable yeah and as you can see from working with us for the summer it's super easy to make a career (laughs) in film so what do you uh what creative projects do you have coming up that you want to work on do you have any uh other films that you want to write or direct are you working on any new short stories um some new films for your youtube channel what do you got going on uh, so my YouTube channel, I do have some sketch videos I'm uh, working on. There's one shot the other day that I'll try to edit tomorrow or the next day, which we'll see if that one makes it up. Yeah, short stories. Um, there's one that I have planned to put on my Instagram page to hopefully attract a bit of a following before uh, trying to put out a larger work of fiction, a novel uh, at some point the next year or two so we'll see how that goes do you want to talk to us about your novel or not yet? yeah talk to us about your novel. um i'll say it's a dystopian novel but 
pretty I- ideological. But other than that, don't really want to go into it too much. Pretty cutting edge. How, how, how far are you into it? Not super far, for sure. Uh, a lot of planning has been done, but... What's your, like, outlining process like? It's it's changed a lot. Um, at first, I just went through and did, like, an outline that was not good and started writing, and then pretty quickly realized that I did not have things planned out thoroughly enough. And so then I went through a period of probably, like, almost six months where I was just working on background stuff. Uh, and then I started to write again a couple months ago. Yeah, I mean, I feel like most of that stuff is still writing anyway. Like, I, yeah. I've i been trying to write a feature for the, I mean, geez. I've been trying to write a feature for, like, eight years now. And I tend to just outline or, or like, um, just, like, do character studies and, like, all the backstory stuff. And I'll write all of that or, you know, like, do all that shit for months and months and months until I inevitably just give it all up and, and move on to something else. But, um, but yeah, I feel like, I feel like doing that stuff is, is really valuable. And I feel like, I feel like you have to do it to get to the actual writing process. So it's not like you're not writing. It's just like, you're doing the pre-writing stuff, which is still writing. Would yeah. you agree with that, Eric? Yes. Good. Yeah. It's tough to feel, uh, like satisfied with what you're doing though, for sure. Cause yeah. a lot of it is, um, just thinking even and even when you are putting stuff to the paper it's not like real well uh worded or anything yeah. like that well as so. david lynch would say you're just fishing for ideas fishing yeah. for ideas yeah which is good you know you have to fish for you ideas. gotta fish for ideas otherwise four or five hours a day what are you gonna eat for dinner you know yeah you're not gonna eat ideas that's for sure teach a man to fish ideas he's got fish yeah. ideas, ideas for a lifetime yeah yeah <laughs> give a man an idea and he's only got one fish yeah that's one fish how good do you think Cobblestone 4 is going to be? It seems like it's going to be very good. So That seemed like a genuine answer. It didn't seem like you were just like... No, I wasn't. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's going to be my favorite of the ones made thus far. Why? What's wrong with the other ones? Y- yeah, what do you hate about Cobblestones yeah, 1 through 3? you hate them so much that you brought it up? It didn't, it didn't seem as dark as what you guys are apparently going for. So, in the previous ones, but now it's becoming a little bit darker, it seems like. so. It is becoming They were more lighthearted before. Yeah, it's true. All right, that's that's a good answer. We've that's grown fun. during the couplestone process, and yeah. things have gotten darker. It's been four or five years now. It's, <laughs> it's been about... It's been exactly like a year and a half. I think the couplestone experience started when we met. Oh, geez, then yeah, it's been several years. Have you guys told that story when you met? How'd you meet? Oh, wow. Out. The tables have turned. Oh, look at you, Mr. <laughs> Interviewer. Oh, I was trying yeah. to tell my friend about you guys' situation. Okay. Relationship yeah, is the word for it. Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. It's yeah, 2019. Uh, do, you, do you want to take this story? Because uh, I've got a side of the story, but I'd like to... I mean, it's not really a story. I've got a story. You... Uh, you were story. making a short film, and then yeah. I sent you my information, mm-hmm. and then we met at Crazy Mocha in Ellsworth. All right, I'm taking over. Yeah. Um, so I was making uh, my first short film when it, since I moved to the greater Pittsburgh region. It's called Circles. You can find it on the my Vimeo page. It's really bad. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. It's not very good. <laughs> yeah, it's not. A, yeah. 
Yeah, but you know, it was a good. Uh, well, we made friends. Made friends. It was a good. It was a good way for me to meet people in the city. I did like put out a casting call. I met crew. I did like a whole thing. Um, I think I spent like five or six hundred dollars on the whole process, which was cheap. But um, so the film's not very good. But yeah, I was looking for a a, a secret agent type character, um, mid thirties, uh, white man specifically. Okay, I was like thirty. That was the casting call. It was like mid thirties man. Yeah. Anyway, so then Eric sent me. He was he was the only age appropriate person to send me a headshot. And he sent me his lawyer headshot, which is very professional. He was in a suit, looked like a secret agent. It was really cool. And I was like, that's the guy. He, that's him. Because, every, well, on, everyone else who sent me a headshot was like 85 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. You were literally the only one under 70, I think. I really nailed it. You did. It was great. But, but also, not only were you the only one who was good for it, but you were the perfect person for it. It was like, really nailed it. Exactly. What he, so, yeah. So, we met at Crazy Mocha on Ellsworth. Um, my, my first impression of Eric was that he's very quiet and not in the like shy way, but in like, that he talks like this kind of way and that it's very hard to hear. They know that I'm on the podcast. Yeah. And that, and that hasn't changed. It's still the same. Um, but Eric told me that he did not like my script. Um, that's not true. That is true. I said, look back at the email. I said, I don't know if this is for me. No. In to my face at crazy mocha. You were like, yeah, I don't know if I really like it. No, I said... And I was I, like, really? Why not? And and then you told me. I said in the email before, I don't know if this is for me. Yeah, you did say that. But then when we met face-to-face, face, he's like, yeah, I don't know if I really like it. And uh, I was like, well, that's okay. Um, I'd still really like to work with you. I remember like trying to convince you, even though you didn't like my script. I was like, listen, I really need you. Like, come on, let's do this. But so so we did it. He did it. He agreed. Um, and he had a buttload of fun yeah it was a lot of fun and then we've been good friends ever since yeah i mean i think i was invested in you not necessarily the short film yeah i mean you weren't wrong the short film is bad it was not good so you know but it was a good one it was fine it was fine yeah i'd say it was fine yeah am i misremembering or did you have like a pro wrestler in circles or something like that you are misremembering you are misremembering. I thought I heard something about that. Maybe you're thinking of at film school. I made a, I, like an audition video for WWE's Tough Enough, um, and so and I made a character <laughs> named Foggy Steel. I don't know why he was called that. And I, so I made like a minute and a half video of me running around my campus without a shirt on and a WWE Intercontinental Championship belt that I bought at Walmart. Um, You're definitely right. I was thinking of Foggy Steel. Yeah, Foggy Steel. Foggy Steel. And the, I had a great, there was a great bit there at the end where it's, I'm Foggy Steel, and I'm here to steal your championships and your women. And then I got my friend Ashley to be, look very uncomfortable, and she sold it perfectly. I look like a real creep in that video. <laughs> that one you can also find on my Vimeo channel, and I highly recommend it. It's right below circles so skip circles yeah, go to fuck <laughs> but justin we should bring up so our yes. our big thing this summer was that we wanted you to make a short film um didn't get to it it's been a busy summer um wouldn't call it a failure on our part but no i mean you wrote a script that's a not that's success. good it was a not success it was a not success for sure but we step one's done yeah you wrote a script that's good are you gonna make that script uh, I would like to. I actually, yeah, I kind of believe in the ideas of it a little bit. So, what's your plan? Are you, how are you going to go about it? You can make it in 
Penn State. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I could definitely, um, yeah, maybe for one of my projects at some point. I mean, it's short enough. It's only a, a page. Yeah, it's a few minutes. Probably make it in, yeah, a few minutes. I think it'd be good. Do you, at Penn State, do you have, like, a focus? Like, do you have to, like, concentrate on, you know, cinematography or editing or is it like more broad sort of school um so it's more broad but there are like final projects in the later semesters the later classes where you do group projects and one person is like cinematographer one person's director you know writer all that stuff so so you're going to try to write and edit or do you have any aspirations to direct do you want to shoot things like what do you want to do we'll see where it takes me but probably write and maybe edit at this point before you came to pittsburgh this summer you had made a short documentary mm-hmm. and you'd made a music video right had you made anything else um like a few projects but they were like mini projects okay but since moving to pittsburgh you've made two or three sketch films you've made a vlog mm-hmm. you've written some blog articles you've boom operated you... i don't know if i've learned um like big uh lessons or anything just because i've learned a lot of that like in the classroom i guess but i've learned a lot of like technical details of things like editing things like that um certain shots you guys have shown me the uh french over i believe it's that's our favorite that's our favorite i believe it's called a french over. <laughs> yes <laughs> That's good. All right, so you're at least going to take these very minor lessons you've learned and hopefully apply them to your own work and yeah, create some cool stuff. Will you let me be your intern next summer when I'm inevitably unemployed? Sure. I'm going to hold you to that. Okay. I'm probably still have a job. Yeah, Eric will not be unemployed. But I don't know. I'm not as good as adulting as he is. I mean, he's got a few years on you. Yeah, yeah I was still in school when I was your age. Wow. Like, and that's the end of the podcast, bye. y'all. Thank you so much, Justin. It's been a pleasure. Have an excellent rest of your summer. And good luck uh, with your junior year of school. I didn't make it that far. Eric made it that far, as he likes to point out. I just meant generally I was not adulting at that point. Okay, so we just finished watching the first three episodes of Mindhunter, which... When I originally read the scripts, thought were only two episodes. What do you mean? Well, the first episode was like an hour and a half, so they split it into oh, two, which is why there are a weird nine amount of episodes as opposed nine? to... Nine? I thought you said there were eight. There were supposed to be eight, oh, oh. but there are nine because they split it in half. Sorry, I've had three glasses of wine. That's okay. I've had three gin and tonics, so it's all good. Wait, no. I've had four gin and tonics and a beer, but it's all good. We just, uh, uh, did I already say we finished watching the third episode of Mindhunter? You did. Okay. It's getting redundant. What'd you think? Well, it was, it was yellow and it was blue. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, I do wonder how much, like, if, um, the other, the other directors, um, Andrew Dominic and and uh, Carl Franklin, just name-dropping some names here. If they were like, you know, I'd really like there to be some, like, some, like, uh, red scenes or some, what are some other colors? I mean, green's pretty close to blue and yellow. Uh, some purple scenes. I wonder if they were like, you know, let's mix it up a little bit. And David's like, nope, we got steely blue 
and we got a gross golden yellow. And that's well, all. wait, how do how do you think it works? Because do you think that they go to David and ask how things should be, or do you think that there's somebody above David who decides what things should? There's be? no one above David. I mean, David's really? like, well, I mean, I don't know, I guess, but I'm pretty certain that David is like. I mean, David's the executive producer. Like he so is. If, if Andrew Dominic he's essentially say, the showrunner. He's essentially the showrunner. Like he makes the decisions. Okay, so if Andrew Dominic had wanted to make a quote-unquote red scene, yeah, <laughs> he would have had to ask. Yes, definitely. David Fincher. Yes, one hundred percent. He would have had to ask. But do you think that David Fincher says you guys can call the shots? You guys can obviously, you guys can obviously speak to the actors and yes. tell the actors what you want. Yeah, but you cannot. Make okay, so a this scene is, that is not yellow. Or yeah, 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 or maybe. Red. Like, or do you think? Or do you think they can shoot it however they want, make it look however they want, and then the editor, the editors know what David wants, and they just make everything yellow. So pretty close to that, I think. Yes. So David obviously is in the edit room. I'm pretty certain he's doing all that stuff. Um, like I so, I listened to a podcast with Asif Kapadia, who directed two episodes in season one. But he was talking about the soundtrack to Amy and Senna, and they talked about Mindhunter a little bit. He said that pretty much his job ended when he was done shooting the scenes. But I know for a fact that you know for season two, uh, Eric Messerschmidt shot all of season two, so he was like. From from what I heard, he was like the he was the voice of Fincher in season two. Like Who Messerschmitt? Yeah. So he, you know, he, like David. I don't know if Have David they worked together before. Yes, they were. Uh, Messerschmitt was the gaffer on Gone Girl, I think, and then he came aboard um, like halfway through season one of Mindhunter, and then was the cinematographer all the way through season two. But he was, like, kind of David's voice. He, I think he took it upon himself to be like, no, David wouldn't want that. He would want this. And he did a pretty good job from what Which I understand. Which is funny, by the way, because his Instagram is so Fincher. It's so Fincher. If anyone yeah, yeah, yeah. follows Eric yes. Messerschmidt on Instagram, and you should, because his Instagram is so gorgeous. It's all wildlife photography, which is interesting. And it's all... It's not all wildlife. It is all yellow. And it it's is all, all blue. blue. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a great photographer. This season, more than the last season, I think, is more dialogue focused. Mm, I don't know. I mean, season one is pretty much exclusively conversations in cars. And this one is not much different. I think. Yeah, they're... but I think that the second season has something, has more of an issue than the first season did because... Unlike the first season, where every episode that you watched, you remember everything that's happening from the season, from the episode before. The second season, I'm trying to remember things that happened from the season before that I watched two years ago. Yeah. And it's all dialogue. So I, and I know that, like, you understand what's happening because you read read the scripts. scripts. You read the scripts months, just a couple months ago. You were there the whole time that it was being filmed, so you, I felt like we had to pause a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's why there was when we first when we started this season there was that fucking 
four minute long recap of season one which i loved by the way it was really good yeah it was very good it, it like perfectly kind of uh encapsulated like what we missed or whatever you know but, but it was also really like interestingly it was fun yeah it was, and it was a good cut the music was good yeah i haven't seen a recap like that maybe ever yeah i, I that, really we talked about this but i don't know so i know that fincher has a lot of input on how his trailers are cut i don't know what he had to do with this recap of of uh mindhunter nor do i know what he had to do with either of the the teaser the teaser trailer or the actual trailer we were watching you know whatever episode we were watching tonight either two or three and i said are we gonna see him kill anyone and i was talking about btk I said, are we going to watch him kill anyone in the second season? You know, because, of course, as a fucking white girl <laughs> who loved, you mean that true who crime. loved the Ted Bundy uh, miniseries yeah. or whatever it was on Netflix, um, I've been waiting for an episode where we see BTK actually kill someone instead of him just, like, masturbating and his wife, like, <laughs> being worried about him um, and him tying a noose or whatever. Um, but you were saying, no, we don't see it yet. And I'm I'm thinking I don't myself, think we do. Well, I, I guess I don't know, and neither of us know until we finish it. But I guess my thought process was, like, when are we going to see something, like, happen yeah you know an actual an actual scene where something like happens instead of a conversation about something that has already happened yeah um i think it's cool though that so i mean btk is in the first season obviously um but you never like he is not on the the fbi's radar at all in season one and I think it's very cool that in this season they're like, okay, BTK is a thing. He's killed seven people or whatever. We need to figure out like who this guy is. Right. I think that's really interesting. That's happening already in the 70s, even though we know that he's not caught until like the 2000s or whatever, right? And I think that's super interesting. But yeah, I'm like as far as I remember, again, we're only three episodes in and I read the scripts a year ago or two. I don't remember... If there's any sort of, um, I don't think you see any BTK killings. And I think something interesting that you kind of touched on just now is that we are kind of seeing a part of BTK that maybe wouldn't have been shown in another movie about him or another show. Um, We're seeing moments where he is interacting with his family and doing things that aren't murder, which maybe we would have seen in a movie that's kind of, you know, talking a lot about the actual murders themselves. Yeah. Well, no, I mean... I think the so show's we are... purpose isn't that, isn't that the murders are interesting, but that, like, the show can be interesting without the murders. Yes. I think that's what's so interesting about it. I, I, I agree with that, is that... So the show is, you know, totally fits within the, the crew... The, sorry, excuse me. The true crime drama. Not the crude crime drama, but the the true crime drama, right? Like it totally fits without that within that genre, but there is no real crime except for um, you know in season one there's like you know there's the the Beverly case or whatever her name is I don't even remember she gets her boobs chopped off and all that shit she's scalped you know there's like that whole thing and that's like 
that's like a big uh, mystery in in the first season. And then this season, you have the whole, what we're seeing now, the Atlanta child murders. Um, can't wait to see Chris Livingston. He was a, he was super fun at the rap party. He was very fun. He was very fun. Very so I'm, ex- I'm excited to finally see him in the show. Um, but there's that, like, that's clear. That's the overarching theme or the, the story of this season. And I think that's really cool. I totally forget what I was talking about here. But, yes, you. the show is interesting without seeing what these serial killers are doing. It's, like, super captivating just watching these serial killers talk about them. And I want to talk about that because we talked about it while we were watching it, that, um, like, the uh, prosthetics for Berkowitz and Manson, specifically Berkowitz, I thought looked not so good. And that was surprising coming from uh, Kazu, what's his name, who did uh, Benjamin Button and Darkest Hour. But I was like, oh, I don't know. But watching it, like when he's moving and he when he's talking, you can't tell that that's not David Berkowitz. It's amazing. I can't wait to see the the um, the Manson stuff. They gave. I mean, they they literally transformed Damon Harriman's face right. into Manson and. I mean, we, we watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He, he like, what? He's got, like, two, one scene? Two scenes, maybe? He, like, walks up to there the house. There's two. There's, yeah. But, like, this, you know, the, he, like, literally gets to, he gets to embody Manson. He looks like Manson. He sounds like Manson. Right. He's talking in like Ho- he's Manson. And once, in a, once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he says, like, a couple lines. He, he yeah yeah, yeah. To... he goes to the house and he's like oh I was looking for this person who used to live here right and that's really it like he's not in the movie more than that but this is gonna be a whole scene he has a whole scene where... of him being Manson looking like Manson like saying things that Manson said and I'm super excited to see that I think it's yeah. gonna be way more interesting than he was in Hollywood um I mean I mean obviously. I, I like felt bad before I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I felt bad that I was like, oh man, Damon Harriman's gonna get typecast as being Manson or like a serial killer or whatever. Yeah, I mean he he played Manson twice in one year. In one year, yeah, right. Like literally, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if he had any projects in between, but pretty much like Once Upon Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, and then Mindhunter comes out, and he's Manson in both. Maybe he's one of those method actors. He and can he just like, do Manson. <laughs> he can just do Manson, but only for a short period of time. Yeah. And he said, I'm Manson now. For these, like, three who, months. Who needs Manson now? And he, he called out to And everybody. it just so he happened. Said, I'm Manson right now. Who needs Who him? needs to be? And, like, and Tarantino <laughs> and Fincher were like, I need you, buddy. And he was like, I got you. I got you. I don't think you won't recognize him in Mindhunter, though. I mean, you saw Berkowitz. Berkowitz. Berkowitz? The guy who played Berkowitz. That was actually scary. Dude, okay, hold on, hold on. So, okay. Seeing that guy, I was like, what the hell? Yeah, it was like that. So I, as an office PA, so I had to go up there for, um, they were like screen tests. They were just like doing, they were taking stills to make sure that that Berkowitz's um, prosthetics looked good. I had to go up there like early one morning to just like, feed them lunch or whatever you know and i'm sitting there i had set up lunch it was moe's you know some great tacos and shit i did a great job it looked amazing <laughs> oh my I, God. I really did i like <laughs> I, I did some of my best work was at stage anyway um 
And the door opens up, and fucking David Berkowitz walks out. Like, no joke, it's just it's just David Berkowitz. And I was like, what the fuck? I dropped my taco. I'm terrified. I'm like, what's going to happen to me now? I just don't understand, I guess, how they actually, like, make his, like, skin. It was gross. So, so I don't have a picture to show you, and we're on a podcast, so I couldn't, if, even if I wanted to. But at rap, we found a whole, like... <laughs> We were just throwing shit away, sending shit to L.A., doing all this stuff. And we found all of the the Berkowitz prosthetics. And it's like, it's like put onto this plastic mold, and it's just like strips of skin, like a nose and like a forehead, cheeks, eyes. I'm sorry, eyes. Where, do you, where did you find this? In the, in the makeup room. Is it in like a, a filing cabinet? Nope, it was... Is it in um, like a box? So, uh, no, we put it in a box, but it was just Is plastered. It it's just plastered onto these plastic like faces. Okay. And can you talk also about the um, the bodies? Yeah, the fucking bodies. So we haven't seen. We've only watched three episodes. I don't. I think we've maybe seen one fake body in the Otero house. Just but, the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, but there were at least like six or seven um like fake dead bodies that were shipped to the office uh and they're fucking wild some of them don't look very real when you like open up the box um which we did every single time because whenever we got a giant box box, do they come they come in a giant like body size box yes or fedex fedex usually and they're in like are they heavy yes they're heavy. They're like they they feel like a real person, and you open them up because we knew that they were bodies every time that we opened Did them up. Did you touch them? Yes, I've and got what pictures do they of feel them. Like, do they feel like they're scary? rubbery? They they're like very rubbery? no. They don't feel real. And they modeled them after a human being. I don't know. So like, okay. So most of these bodies for this season, and there were a few. Like I remember in season one, we had Beverly. Jean Shaw, whatever her name was, the girl who got her boobs ripped off and her her oh head scalped. That's what happened to her in the show. So she, um, we got that we got that mannequin that that fake body had her boobs removed and it looked really gross and she had her scalp removed and it looked really gross and like that's what they used, you know. Um, but for this season, it was like a bunch of teenage black boys like that's what for the atlanta child murders that's what it was but like i remember the the best one my favorite one i wish i had a picture of it because i I held it was a the toddler oh probably the the toddler probably the toddler from the third episode i i imagine i don't actually know probably that one though um 22 months (laughs) honestly yeah 22 month old it was it was just a little a little white toddler and white Yes, it was white. And, I mean, that's what the one in the, that episode was. But, it, it like, the way that, you, like, if you held it, it was weighted in a way that it felt so real. Like, it's, it's if you, like, held it up just by its bottom and its head, it's, like, arms moved in a way that was like, oh, that's just, like, a dead kid. Ew. It was weird. Yeah, the bigger the bigger bodies, like, the, the teenagers and stuff, those were a little less less natural, I guess. But the little kid was like, 
it was weird to feel because its hands were small enough that its fingers felt real. And we were like, we were like, ew, <laughs> this is super gross and, and they scary. they get makeup and they look even Yeah, they, they like literally, they do the same like makeup they would do on, on Holt McCallany or Jonathan Roth. They're the okay. same sort of makeup process. In episode two, Kevin Bright is played by uh, Andrew Yackel, who I wouldn't consider a friend of mine, but he auditioned for Half Bath. I offered him the role of half like of Sam in Half Bath, but he had just moved to Atlanta, um, so he cast Dan Helbling. Yeah, thank God, you know. So Andrew Yackel went from almost being directed by Reese Hayes to being directed by David Fincher. Like, what would Half Bath have been like? I honestly I wish that he had been Sam. No offense, Dan. But, like, you know, if our lead actor in my shitty web series got cast in in Mindhunter and then DC's Swamp Thing in the same year, it's like... I love Dan. Dan was great. Dan was really good. He was, uh, he was the spirit animal that I needed for Half Bath. But, yeah, the other thing that blows my mind watching Mindhunter... Is the amount of coverage that Fincher does, and I'm assuming that the other directors did too. I really don't know. But like in Cobblestone, I do very minimal coverage. It's like we have a two shot, maybe, and then usually it's like a single and a single, and that's about all we get. You have time or money. To oh, yeah, yeah. We just don't have the time. We do, we have this whole rule on Cobblestone where we have. It's like a five take limit. If if we get to take five in a single shot, it's the last one and we move on. And that's just like, you know, that's how we have to deal with things. It's It keeps us moving and whatnot. But watching Mindhunter, it's like they have a million shots for every scene. And it's super interesting to, to see how it was edited together because for most of those scenes, I watched the dailies. Like, I remember watching what i remember watching every take of a shot of holden and then watching every take of a shot of tench and then watching every take of a shot of berkowitz i remember seeing those things but seeing to like how they're actually cut together to create the scene is like the most valuable thing that so much more valuable than going to film school or like you know watching movies a bunch or doing anything it's like getting to see how they shot it, how Fincher, fucking David Fincher shot something, and then seeing how they cut it together is fascinating. Obviously, while I was working on it, I did appreciate, I knew that I was in a position of privilege to be able to experience one of my favorite directors doing his craft and getting to like watch that hands-on, and that was really cool. But getting to see how it all comes together at the end is amazing. And not to mention, I'm in the credits this season, which is really <laughs> fucking cool. Because I wasn't in the credits last season, which is not so cool. Yeah, not so cool at all. Because I should have been, but I wasn't. But I am <laughs> in the credits this season. Every single fucking episode, I hope. Unless they somehow forgot me again. But I, I don't think they did. I mean, at least the first three episodes, so, so that's good. All right, Michaela's drunk. I think we're done, y'all. You got anything else to say about Mindhunter Season 2, Episodes 1 through 3? 
I had so much, and then drunk hit me in the brain. And the drunk ate you. And I was going to say more, and the whole time you were saying your whole last five-minute spiel. It wasn't five minutes. I was, like, thinking to myself, what What was I going to say? <laughs> okay, all right. Well, then that's the end of this episode. Okay, bye. Wow, what a doozy of an episode. Thanks, Eric, for finally being around when we record. Thanks, Justin, for hanging out all summer. Thanks, Mikey, for getting drunk with me. And thanks, me, for editing this damn episode. I've been busy, all right? Trying real hard to get Cobblestone 4 out for y'all in a timely manner. I'm struggling, but... It's definitely the best episode yet. I think y'all are going to love it. I'm super excited to share it with you. Just give me some more time, all right? I don't know why I'm acting like y'all are like putting pressure on me, because I'm not getting any pressure from anybody. Um, it's almost like no one actually wants to watch it. And I know I don't do this enough, so please go follow us on all your social medias. We're Dashing Agent on Instagram, Dashing Agent on Facebook, Dashing Agent on YouTube, Dashing Movies on Twitter, because Dashing Agent was taken. I'm super bummed about that. And if you really like the stuff we do over here, consider going to patreon.com slash dashingagent and uh, and giving us a few bucks a month. It really helps out. I'm almost making enough on there to pay for my Adobe Creative Cloud subscription. But I really just appreciate all of the support from all you awesome folks. It means a lot to me. It's super motivating. And it gives me more time to make things that I can share with y'all as opposed to doing work stuff. I mean, that's not fun. But thank you so much for listening. I'm going to try to get episode five out in like not six weeks, but <laughs> who knows? Cobblestone four first.